You sure you don't want like a little part where your like girlfriend comes in and it's like, why well, yeah, time? <laughs> <laughs> Next skit? time. You want, you want to do a skit? <laughs> Next time. On no loops. On no loops. One, two. One, two. What's up, everyone? What's up? Um, You're now tuned in to a, another episode of On No Loops. Today's topic is self-destruction. <laughs> really ain't the rap audience that's bugging. No. Uh, uh, uh. No, sorry. Today's topic is... Uh, follow-ups to classic albums. You know, recently uh, Kendrick dropped Kendrick Lamar. Pardon me. I, I don't. You know, in case anyone doesn't know who Kendrick is, and it's not. It's not Kendrick McGillicuddy. Kendrick um, McGillicuddy. Yeah, he, he works. At, he works at Home Depot. Um, <laughs> um, I thought no. he worked at IBM. <laughs> um, there might be a Kendrick McGillicuddy at IBM. I don't, I don't know, but shout out to him anyway. Because um, he could be listening. Yeah, he could. You never. You never know. So you know, he dropped uh, "Damn," uh, all caps when you spell the name. Damn, and you got to add the period at the end of that. Uh, he dropped that recently, and you know, it's a much anticipated follow up to "The Pimp a Butterfly." Yep, and uh, got got us thinking about. Other um, follow-ups to classic albums. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And not technically sophomore albums, because, you know, there's a lot of rappers who their debut album was, you know, the greatest thing ever until the next greatest thing ever. But there are certain people, in this case, of course, with Kendrick, where their debut album wasn't the predecessor to what we're going to discuss. So... Um, yeah, we're going to go through a few of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, of course, can chime in with the conversation as usual. Um, you can uh, go to any social media, use the hashtag OwnNoLoops and join in on the conversation. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. We'll uh, drop that um, contact info later on. Yeah. I guess, should we get started? Let's get started. That, that would be a good thing to do. All right. All uh, right. All right. Well, I'll go ahead. Okay. Um so first album that we uh, wanted to discuss was The Predator by Ice Cube, which came out in 1992. Yeah. So uh, you're looking at the 25th anniversary there. This was Ice Cube's follow-up to Death Certificate, Yeah. Um, which was, if you've ever seen the album cover, it's a nice cover of uh, um, a toe tag. A body with a toe tag and an American flag on it and Ice Cube standing over it. And the toe tag says Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam, of course. And then uh, with this album, it's basically just Ice Cube uh, in a, a foggy image smoking a blunt. Smoking, no, he's smoking out of a Skeletor pipe. It's he's, very important. Skeletor to King Randor. Skeletor to King Randor. Come in, you royal boob. That's right. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because ah! I always wanted one of those. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> I stand corrected. So, I mean, comparing the two. Now, of course, with Death Certificate, um, this was Ice Cube's third? I mean, second album? Well, second full length. Second full his, length. His, it was his third release. Because you yeah. had the, the Kill That Will EP. Of course. Yeah. Now... Of course, with Death Certificate, that definitely, I mean, everybody already knew who Ice Cube was, but Death Certificate kind of shot him into the stratosphere as far as popularity. And this was the album that was um, more focused on um, 
subject matter per se and him getting uh somewhat political um and then of course he's always political he was always political but you you've you really got it i guess full circle with death certificate mm. so i mean of course and that of course ended uh with um no vaseline on there yeah you know <laughs> we know we're that way yeah but with uh the predator album this was in the wake of um, the Rodney King beatings, the trial, and the riots. Sure. And that is a consistent theme throughout the album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he definitely mentions it on several different songs, along with, um, you know, some songs that break from that theme. It definitely had some different production on uh, Death Certificate. You had Search Inks handling um, a bulk of the production versus... Uh, uh, the Predator album, which was uh, DJ Pooh and a little uh, participation from Torture Chamber. And Mugs. And Mugs, DJ yes. Mugs f- yes. from uh, Cypress Hill. Of course. And 7A3. <laughs> yes. Talking in English, never speaking in tongues. It's the bass in the voices and the ear in the lungs. Grabbing some mugs. Show them what hip-hop means. Baby, boys out of Brooklyn, DJ for Queens. You know, there's definitely was a different sound on the Predator versus um a death certificate death certificate was i guess more so you felt that um funkadelic uh uh, uh parliament influence mm-hmm. versus predator which you 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 definitely had some heavy drums on there slightly more uh, at certain points rock and roll influenced but you know you did have a typical west coast sound as you did with um uh today was a good day I don't know. I never, I mean, because, you know, it's, it's the, you know, footsteps in the dark sample. Even saw the lights of the Goodyear blimp and it went ice cubes on pimp. Drunk as hell, but no throwing up. Halfway home and my page is still blowing up. Today I didn't even have to use my AK. I gotta say it was a good day. I consider that a West Coast. It was just more smoothed out than what you were accustomed to from Ice Cube. I, I mean, I always felt when I heard the song, especially since during that time, um, it was West Coast. Of course, was all about the G Funk, all about yeah. uh, 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 being heavily influenced Parliament um, Funkadelic. When you're going into an Isley Brothers sample. You know, it wasn't something that it was prevalent on the East Coast until maybe a couple of years later mm. um, with Biggie. Um, True. Oh, girl, you blow my mind. I'll always be your freak. Let's make Forget the telly, we just go to the crib and watch a movie in the jacuzzi, smoke L's while you're doing it. I love it when you're coming, big pop. Throw your hands in the air if you're a true player. I guess, I guess because it, it, it wasn't even so much a, a Parliament Funkadelic track, but it was a well-known R&B sample. It was, uh, um, you know, a pretty basic sample, but worked for what he was doing, and he made it his own. I felt that it was kind of related, so that's why I say West Coast sound. Yeah, no, and and I know that with Ready to Die, I know that they were trying to somewhat, they were trying to use some of a West Coast formula, so that that does make sense. Yeah. So yeah. So, you know, in the case of this album, um, like I said, of course, it's following a different theme than uh, Death Certificate was. I felt more drawn into his world than I did 
uh, with death certificate. Really? Slightly more. Just wow. because just because of the topic. When I was sitting there listening to um, to it the first time, you know, I was just like, wow. You know, I, I was really getting a picture when I, I was listening to Who Got the Camera. Mm-hmm. I didn't so much get a visual with um, Check Yourself until I saw the video. Right. But, you know, it really brought that home for me and just thinking about... Uh, I mean, there was even a theme with the singles that were released that you did see. How did it start out? He started off with uh, Wicked. Um, which probably was a little separate. Um, and then you went into today was a good day, which then led into um, check yourself. Check yourself. You know him getting him getting arrested and then going to check yourself. Right. Yeah. And the video. Yeah. yeah. That's why the videos were like like to be continued. Yeah. 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 You know, a theme within the videos and then a theme throughout the album. I kind of felt that kind of whole centered into kind of like a storyline. Okay. So that's why I definitely see that the two are separate. And he 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 didn't he didn't he didn't carbon copy uh, what Death Certificate was, definitely especially not. considering the events that were happening. Yeah, I um. So this is hard for me because Death Certificate is one of my absolute favorite albums. Uh, it's like a top five, really al- album for me. Like I love that album. I that's that's actually the first album that I bought like on the release date. Like I like like I knew the release date. I waited for it and I bought it when it came out. Like that night, it was wow. like a Halloween night ninety one. And uh, <laughs> So and and that in you know the album lived up to my expectations and to this day it's still just one of those albums where word for word like that that album just it 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 uh it has an effect on me so predator it's it would be hard for for it to live up to to you know my my love for death certificate but this it's a good album the the predator is a good album definitely I would say not as good um, I think predator was the start of Ice Cube. Sort of the softening of Ice Cube. You think so? But I don't mean in a bad way, like <laughs> like oh he's soft. But I mean like he that was you know Ice Cube was always known. He was always I think best known for his anger and his like political and like social commentary and um I mean you definitely get that on here for sure. But you also get I mean a track like Wicked where it's just he's just kind of rapping on that. It's not really it's not. It doesn't have a focused subject matter, which I'm, and again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just you started to see him. Uh, I felt like this was the album where th- this was post what, Boys in the Hood, the movie. Okay. Um, so I think maybe he was he just wasn't as angry. I don't think it's as a person, as a man. I don't think he was maybe he wasn't as angry as he had been. I mean, I still get an angry vibe on there. Oh no, it still is. It's not. It's not like he made a. Trying to think of somebody. It's not like he made a, a groovy chill album. Yeah, 
Yeah, I went I went to the, the basement with that one. But um I'm just saying like you you it, it was the beginning. It was the beginning of what eventually became like we be clubbing and you can do it. Like and and the album still has a has the album still has a rough edge. I'm just saying that you started like like today was a good day was a different kind of track for Ice Cube. It was a different kind of track, like I don't need to be angry no more. Yeah, you're right. But to go so far, because I think that those albums that followed Predator were really, like, he had one more after that. Lethal Injection. Which I think fell along those lines. And then after that, it was kind of just, yeah, it, it went to a different area, different yeah. space. I think, you know, somebody was trying to tell him to be more marketable or whatever. Oh, I, I think, I, I, honestly, I think it's, I mean, there's probably definitely a marketing angle to it. But I personally just feel, I mean, I don't know Ice Cube personally. But I just feel like he probably just wasn't as angry because he had less reasons to be angry. Uh, and, maybe you know, who knows? Just, <laughs> at least in his personal life, right? So yeah. But but again, I'm not saying the Predator is a light album at all. It's not a light album. There's there's definitely plenty of social commentary. Def, definitely plenty of anger. Like you mentioned, um, the riots. You know, we, there's a, we had to tear this motherfucker up. Yeah, which is about the aftermath. Of the, was was about the riots. Not guilty, the guilty that was trying to kill me. And you know this, it ends. You know, there's who got the camera, which is, uh, oh man, you know, um, about you know, it's about being you know being harassed by cops and and when they put, you know, I mean that shit is relevant today. Like it who, is, you know, it is. I was listening line. to it a couple yeah. weeks ago, yeah. oh, a couple months ago, and I was just like, wow, man. The motherfuckers call for backup. I guess they plan to beat the Mac up. Called me a silly ass fuck and pulled out his billy ass club. Up my group looking for the chronic. God damn, nobody got a Panasonic. Found the empty can of old gold. Came around and put my ass in a chokehold. Fucked around and broke my pager. Then they hit a nigga with a taser. The motherfucking pigs was trying to hurt me. I fell to the ground and said, Lord, have mercy. They hit me in the face, y'all. But to them, it ain't nothing but a friendly game of baseball. Crowd stood around. I said, God damn, yeah. Who got the camera? Yeah, that's some that's things some real come shit. right back around. Yeah, like like I like I had to I had to make sure I knew how to work Facebook Live just in case. Mm. So yeah, it, that's it's so no, there's definitely plenty of that on here. I just feel like it was you, you started to see hints of the future Ice Cube on this album. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Right. Like yeah, it's a good album. Again, to me, not as good as Death Certificate, not as thematically strong, but Death Certificate is is. It was one of the first like concept albums, so it, it was really yeah. hard to follow that up with something that was as good. 
But it's it's again it's a quality album. I would mention it in if you want to talk about Ice Cube's great records. I would I would put that up there. Okay, so let's put it like this. So in the case of a really really strong follow up, one being something that sounds exactly like the last album and isn't that great as a standalone album, and ten being something that's a great album stands alone and ended up being a classic. Where would you put Predator? Um, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a classic, but I guess I'll give it, it's maybe a 7 or 8 on that scale. 7 or 8? Yeah. Not a classic, but a, a damn good album. <laughs> okay. I'd give it an 8. Okay. I'd give it an 8. Okay. All right. Well, moving on, we got Lab Cabin, California, which came out in 1995. This is, of course, by The Far Side. Yeah. Southern California. Uh, this was the follow-up to Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, which came out in 1992, and we'll be celebrating a 25th anniversary this year. How so old. I, yeah, I'm so old. You are. I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm so old. <laughs> I'm ageless. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that I wish all four members were together to be celebrating, mm. but they're not. Uh, the, uh, the thought with, uh, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, which of course, um, blew up off of Passing Me By and just had so many great records yeah. on it was, um, you know, how to follow it up. And it took a couple years, but Lab Cabin came out and it was another fun album. Um, I believe it was more fluid than Bizarre Ride and I believe it was more, um, subject matter diverse then uh bizarre ride bizarre ride um definitely had a few um thoughts on it but i just felt that lab cabin was their album where you could tell that they had done some living since then you know mm-hmm. even just talking about it on groupie therapy <laughs> right you know i don't know about these girls we've been dealing with man <laughs> she was my high school sweetheart down from start when all i had was high hopes my health and my art but when i got my fame she became unsure if i could still feel the same when i came off tour i said for sure because what god gave us girl i'm grateful no need to be insecure baby your niggas faithful so now i'm off doing dates in the gang of states and as my status elevates i see the baddest states at the backstage gate looking great straight waiting for a nigga so now i figure hey I only live once, I'm going all out today Made a call out to LA to say what I had to say Nah, I still love you, but it's just, hey, I got Hey, that's bullshit, if you still love me, then you hey, would hey, 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 it's a dick thing hey, that's yo, all man, I let's rip, man. Hey, I gotta be Yeah, I, I just think that it was a step up in creativity uh, More thorough storytelling um, I, I think they, they continue to balance pretty well amongst the four of them Because that's just always a hard concept to, to master it, it even though it was all kind of mid to slow tempo v- versus how um, bizarre ride kind of jumped around. I, I preferred Lab Cabin mm. at the end of the day. Yeah. What do you? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's I, I asked myself which which album is a better album, and it's not. It's not an easy question for me to answer. Like, I I love them both for different reasons. Mm. Um, this is almost. I mean, it's. I, is it a one and one a thing for you? I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's it's that. So, Lap Cabin California definitely is a more it's it's a more mature album. Like Bizarre Ride is a very like whimsical and fun, and it's kind of all over the place, which you know, I, which I love about it. But this album is definitely again, it it does feel like you said, like they, like they had done some some maturing and some growing. 
Um, not just in terms of lyrics, but also like the production. Production is definitely mellower. Um, but I, I love the production on this album. Like it's, I, I was just listening to this like, yesterday, and oh really? It still sounds as good, if not better, now than it did back then. You know, of course, this was one of the first uh, times we heard uh, JD, aka right. J Dilla. He, right. he produced like I think six songs on this album. Yeah. And he... then they also did the Far Side. Um, each each member has at least one production credit on this album. And then, you know, Diamond D did uh, Groupie Therapy. So it has a different sound because, you know, it's it's all different producers. Uh, Jay Swift did their first album, so uh, he wasn't he wasn't present for this one. Yeah, like, it's... They're both really... They're both great albums. I would argue they're both classics, just in different ways, in completely different ways. So it's hard to say. It's hard to compare them. It's hard to do a direct comparison. You really think so? I mean, which one of the two do you find yourself playing more? Nowadays, probably Lab Cabin California. Nowadays, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He's like, I'm a different man. You know, <laughs> I've, I've also done some living. <laughs> well, for me, it's definitely Lab Cabin. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time that I played uh, Bizarre Ride, mm. although Passing Me By is probably one of my top three favorite hip hop joints of all time. Bizarre Ride is always going to be special to me for that. I would definitely say I prefer Lab Cabin, and as far as a follow-up, as measured towards the, the classic that Bizarre Ride was, I would give it a nine. Mm. Okay. So are we assigning <laughs> numbers to everything now? Is that what we're doing? For me, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know about a number, but but I, yeah, like I said, I th- both... Both these albums are classics to me. Both the first and the second are classics. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree uh, that but um, I I would probably be more likely to listen to Lab Cabin California today. But I I would listen to either one whenever. I don't care. If I had to give it a number, yeah, I, I think a nine is, is is appropriate. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, we have uh, it was risk. Excuse me, it was written. It was risky. <laughs> it was risky. It was risky, but I got out of there. It was written by Nas. Uh, it came out in 1996. July 2nd. July 2nd of 1996, which was the follow-up to the Illmatic album, which came out April 19th, 1994? And it was April. You're probably right, but yeah, it was April. I remember that day. <laughs> but, um, yes. So this was two years later. Um Obviously, if you've heard both albums, um, I probably don't need to tell you how they were different, but I will tell you how they were different. Go ahead. So, um, it was written, was definitely, I think that Columbia just jumped in there and said, you know what, we want to make some money off of this guy. (laughs) Mm. And I think that they really just glossed up everything as far as the marketing, per se, and uh, the videos. Like, even if you did not hear any of this album and you just saw If I Rule the World video, you notice that there was a marked difference Mm -hmm. from where uh, Illmatic left off. So you see Nas rocking suits and more more of a clean look and you've got the Hype Williams video, which is just real glossy. glossy, You know, you're like, what is going on here? I mean, great record, of course, but... um, Very different from... From anything that's on Illmatic. Of course, yeah. of course. You know, the sample of the Curtis Blow record. I 
and having uh, someone well-known singing the hook in Lauryn Hill. Which is something. Also, the Houdini sample too on the, the the beat. Correct. Yeah. You say you and your girlfriend were so tight. You took her out with you and your guy one night. She even had a set of keys to your home, and you shared mostly everything you own. But then she shook your hand, she stole your man, and it was done so sweet it had to be a plan. Couldn't trust her with cheese, let alone your keys. With friends like that, you don't need enemies. So, um, you definitely found something different from the jump, and then. You know, you opened your CD or tape or whatever, and you started listening, and you you, you got the mafioso references yeah, for one. You yeah. you got that vibe throughout the album. Yeah. Um. You also had a, a, a few more features. Of course, this was the uh, the birth of the firm mm-hmm. on um, affirmative action album. Of course, Foxy was on the Watch Them song. And then, uh, of course, you had Lauren, as we mentioned. And I think that the production was slightly different than what Illmatic was. Of Very course, different. you know, two years, Very different. two years passed, so you definitely would hear some changes in... Um, how uh, the backing for him would be. Just going back to the mafioso theme, that for me, that kind of turned me off. <laughs> you I know, mean, I mean, yeah. And and it was written when you sit down and listen to the lyrics and listen to where he was going with it, and just put your mind out of oh well, everybody was doing mafioso. Like just just say for example, you listen to it now for the first time, um, and listen to it for the stories. You definitely get a lot. A lot of digging deep into uh, just, you know, flowing, just uh, putting some pictures inside your head. But at the same token, I guess since everybody was doing that at that time, it just, I, I, I couldn't follow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that was definitely, I was I was not a fan of that either. That was a thing that was happening. Like, I, I think it started with Wu-Tang. I think it started with, with Cuban Links. Yes. Cuban Links, they did the whole, you know, the, the, the alias, the mafioso aliases on that album. Yeah, Italiano, Luciano shit. And, and and I'm not disparaging Cuban Links, by the way. Not at all. But, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but that, you know, you had that and then you had the, um, we mentioned on an earlier show, the Foxy Brown verse from, uh, from Ashacha, which to me was just like, Okay, I heard Cuban Links. Now here's my interpretation of it. <laughs> and then, and then you got this. You know, it was written, which yeah, you know, the mafioso shit, the. The I mean, AKAs. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know, I guess when well, it got, when Nas was on Cuban Links with his AKA, yeah. so he kind of continued that here. So when you heard that, you were kind of like, oh well, well Nas probably gets a pass because he was on, you know, he's cool with Raekwon right. and all of that. But you know, it just continued on after yeah, that. It, it was, was like, oh yeah, my it was, gosh. it was, yeah, ninety six. I remember ninety six, summer ninety six. I was what coming out of. My junior year in high school, I think, and so I remember 
when this came out and, and the next album we're going to talk about when it came out and i remember just being like like it was written is an album that i i liked it but i was definitely wanting something more in the vein of illmatic this album is it's still a high quality album but it's definitely the sound of conformity you know like you said in terms of subject matter he was trying to sound he's kind of doing what everyone else was doing which is unfortunate because Illmatic was such like an original. Yeah, came from, came from such an original perspective in a way, and so this one he's kind of doing it. Now, granted, he he did it better than everybody else. I'll say that. Yeah, just because just purely on his his skill level was just so much higher than his peers, so he did it better. But he was still kind of following trends. Um, you know, he had he had the Trackmasters come in to do, or I should, I should say, Steve Stout had the Trackmasters come in and produce like the bulk of the album. Which you know has you know which just has a different feel than Q-Tip and Premier and Pete Rock and all that. Yeah. Um. So definitely he was trying to conform to a more radio friendly sound. Yeah. Like you have you know I, I think he was just tired of like you said it was about money like he he made this critically acclaimed like monument of an album of a debut album and then but it didn't sell that well. And then a sudden shot of success as Biggie said on Kicked in the Door. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Like Questlove tells the story of how he was at the Source Awards, I think the, the infamous '95 Source Awards, and he like they were like sitting behind Nas, I think, and this was this was the Source Awards where you know they had the whole East Coast West Coast thing popping off. Like Biggie won like all the awards at that at that show. Right. Like like Nas and Biggie were up for a lot of the same awards, and Biggie won all of them, I think. We did it, Brooklyn. We did it. He's, he watched he saw Nas physically like kind of get withdrawn when as he was losing these awards. Right. And I think that at least Questlove believes that that is kind of what led to it was written. Like he's like he's seeing Biggie, you know, get all the accolades that he that that many people felt he deserved. So it's like, well, I gotta, I gotta switch it up. Mm. So so that that's what you get with it was written. I, I would say not a, again not a bad album. Nas still lyrically is extremely potent on it. His his crime stories are if you if you want high quality crime stories you get them here, but it just it just it's the sound of it really is a product of its time in that you can see where New York hip hop was going. Yeah, I mean, but still, with it being the second album that fell along these lines after Cuban Links, I mean, two things that I think of one is the fact that. If he didn't come out with this, I don't think anybody else would have been doing AKA Mafioso after that. Really? I, I honestly believe that. I don't think anybody would have chased Wu-Tang on what they were doing. Hmm. And then two, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know what his second album would have been if it wasn't for that trend. Well, he I know he was, he he wanted to do the original, his idea, his original idea was to do the album with Marley Marl. Really? That was his original concept and they did a couple tracks that got leaked like the one the track um on the real which was was one of the original songs they did for this album. Up in the Trump Plaza sweet 3010 don't make no noise cuz we dirty tell them hoes hurry in we got the room lit up with perfume and mad boom and there's video tape and blooming as it's on the zoom and lens rolling on your nondescript niggas your mark for death like Colombians with bad coke that jip niggas tilt the dutch twisted up the ooey if you skilled enough and where we trust the loot the dead the nine milli bucks so that's what he wanted to do and then i think other other heads stepped in like nah you need to you know you need to gloss it up a bit i can't say it it was as listenable no. as some of the other albums that i've heard from Nas, and you know if i 
comparing as a follow-up comparing to Illmatic, I, I probably would give it a six. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I would agree with that. It's again, it's a quality album, but, com- but coming off of Illmatic, it's like, word, like, but again, it's, it's, if nothing else, it's an effective time capsule of what was going on at that time. And, just how the atmosphere was changing and um but yeah it's it's interesting to think of what his album would have been if it wasn't this like if he had continued if he tried to make a quote-unquote proper follow-up to Illmatic what would have what, what would have it what would have it been it sounded like <laughs> my, the, the word sounded backwards but anyway yeah what would this what would that have sounded like I don't know we'll never know like like who who made a who, who made great albums in 96 like what albums were what New York albums were like dope that he could have like patterned himself after? I mean, what they they uh uh stakes is high? <laughs> I mean <laughs> Probably not. I yeah. mean who knows? I mean yeah. it, it it could have just been an Illmatic part two and you know, we he probably uh, when you think about it, he probably would have had his career go in a d- totally different direction. Yeah, he would have. He he definitely would have, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Who knows? Probably would just had two albums. Yeah, never know. All right. So a few weeks later, uh, <laughs> July 30, nineteen ninety six, you get uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, the uh, fourth album from a tribe called Quest. Um. So this album, I remember buying this when it came out. This album has this features another this more uh, JD, aka J Dilla. He he uh, he, along with Q Tip and Ali Shaheed Muhammad, formed the Uma, and they. At least in name, they are responsible for the production of the entire album. Um, if you look closer at the credits, at like the names, you can see exactly kind of who did what to a certain extent. This is an album that I definitely, when listening to it, I felt like something was missing. It was hard to put my finger on it, but I just knew that it didn't... I wouldn't say it was a quite a disappointment, but it definitely, I definitely didn't have that strong feeling that I had with, uh, with the previous albums. The thing about that album is, like, even to this day, when they do, like, uh, throwback radio shows or you're at a party and it's mostly 90s hip-hop, you hear, you hear, you're lucky to hear the two singles uh, stressed out once again. You're Mm -hmm. lucky to hear those, and if ever you hear anything off of the album outside of that, it's a surprise. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas with Midnight, Low End, and um, People's Instinctive Travels, you might hear some other songs, and you do hear those songs more frequently, because as people always looked at, it, it was those three albums were classics, yeah. Beats and Rhymes Life was, I don't know, and then what was their last album for years, uh, Love Movement, it was kind of just forgotten, and that yeah. was it. I mean, with me on Beats, Rhymes, and Life, uh, I, I, I felt that same way. And, and the way that it was marketed in magazines at that time was their grown-up album. Really? I, I don't remember that. I, I, I do remember. Okay. I remember reading that in the vibe. And hmm. It was supposedly their grown-up album, some grown-up hip-hop or whatever. And I just never got what they know of that. But, I mean, they were in their, uh, I guess, around their mid-20s at the time. So I just really didn't get what that meant. But the first thing, of course, that threw me off, that probably threw everybody off, was the fact that Consequence appeared all of a sudden mm-hmm. on the album. Yeah. 
you know, once again was the first single and it was tipping five as usual. Yo, I've been treading on this globe, man, for 25 joints. Sometimes Shaytan got me by the pressure points, but I could break a fella down like sex. You eat wheat checks, but still light in the ass and can't flex. If one nigga front, I'ma make more pay. Cause tonight, we getting off like OJ. And yo, I got a dog that bites. Fuck the barking. Yo, I got a crew with the beats and the smarts in. I brought my shit up on Linden and I went on two. Forever writing, ever biting, ain't shit else to do. Hoping to battle, but most MCs ain't ready yet. But if they utter one word, then this is good as set. You have MCs dropping bombs, that's incredible. Some other brothers, their styles are just despicable. As for me, see, I just do how I love to do. Try to deny me of my props and I'll be seen. And then Stressed Out came out and Consequence featured on it and people were like, well, what's this here? And uh, then listened to the album and realized that he's all over the album. Yeah. So I don't even think it was even just that. I I, I didn't feel that same fluid uh, uh, flow as I did feel with Midnight Marauders. We forgot to mention that that was the previous album yeah. we were comparing it to. Well, I would say both. I mean, both Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders were, were- well, classics, of course, classics. but but of course we're talking follow up. So yeah. Midnight Marauders would be the the one that it's following up, and um, that came out um, November 9th, nineteen ninety four. Um, three, three. Excuse me. Yes, three. I did get the date right. Yeah. Yes. Along with what else came out that day? Uh, Enter the Wu Tang. Yeah, and then I think Doggy Style came out like a week later or something like that, or a week earlier. Snoop came out like two weeks later. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. Yeah, it was a good month. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely didn't feel that fluid feeling that you, you had with Midnight Marauders. And it wasn't that head nod, every track, yeah. like, let me just let this album play. When I heard Beats, Rhymes, and Life, it was like, oh, disappearing into the background type of... And, and, and the rapping didn't feel as fluid like you know they were still kicking great rhymes and everything because that's what tribe does but it didn't feel as fluid as midnight and low end did you know musically great beats but the tracks like i said they just meshed into each other and and i still remember when i first heard it the tracks that stood out were the singles Keep it moving. Let me let your brothers know I ain't no West Coast disser. Another thing I'm not is a damn ass kisser. So listen to my words as I set things straight. I ain't got no beef, so don't come in my face. Yo, keep it moving. Yeah, to the K-I-M. Keep it moving. Yeah, yeah, to the K-I-M. I ain't got no time for shucking in. There was a track about a party, which I can't remember the name right now. Um, that could have been... Jam. It was Friday afternoon in the middle of June. Heineken bottle caps and the aroma of boom. Around the time, everybody just got home from class. Shooting dice, talking shit, hoping the cash would last. Yo, this was around the time when I didn't know no better. Junie rolled around in the tinted out jetta. Then he introduced me to that hydro smoke. And I took one too. Yo, I almost choked. See, I never smoked before, so my nerves got shot. Then he told me about the party at the spot. Jam. Yeah. Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that? But uh, yeah, those were the tracks that stood out, but everything else kind of just meshed together for me. Good album, because, you know, I liked listening to it, but yeah. at the same time, it just, standout tracks didn't happen with this. Yeah, and I'll say that when you have albums as good as Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders, it it would be hard to follow that up with something that is as good as those. Part of, I think part of the issue is just that they went so high, it's it's hard to, how do you, how do you follow it up with something that will be worthy of those of those albums it was hard it so, was hard so i think that's part of it 
I think at the time I thought that there was a there was a time where I felt that it was it was Jay Dillo's fault, which mm. sounds crazy. Yeah. But it's just that it was a different formula, so it's like, well, they changed the formula, therefore that must be the reason why. But if you actually if I actually look at the track list and I look at the track that the tracks that uh J- that, that Dilla has credits on, those are like like my favorite songs on the album. So Really? So yeah. So I think and if you, I think if you watch the, I think the key is if you watch the uh, the tribe documentary, beats also titled "Beats Rhymes in Life," originally titled "Beats Rhymes and Fights." <laughs> but um, if if you watch that, I think that I think that kind of gives a hint as to what happened with this album. I think just personally, they were not in a good place as, well, yeah, as, yeah. as a group. It's it's considered be to that point to be their darkest album. Yeah, you know, songs like "Stressed Out" and you know. Just overall, it felt a lot darker than the previous albums that uh, felt fun. And, yeah, you know, yeah, it, 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 that definitely wasn't as fun. And I think, I think that their personal chemistry was just off. And I think that uh, leaks through the album. I think, I think it, it, it's an album that you know, in hindsight, it sounds like they weren't on the, all on the same page compared to the, the previous records. Yeah, even just thinking about the singles, I mean. The, the video version of Stressed Out has Fife rapping, but then you go to the album and there's no Fife. He's not on there, right. You know? So that was a little different, but my theory is that he didn't like that song. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like that song. I liked it. I, I didn't like "Stressed Out." I, and the that, fact that the fact, the fact that it was the last song on the album to me just felt like they kind of threw it on there. Like, okay, we got to do this. So. Well, yeah, the the sequencing was a little weird for me that that was the last song. Then listening for the five verse that never came, mm-hmm. you know, that was all really weird for me. I, I, I think it could have been sequenced better and tracks separated a little better. Um, overall, I think versus Midnight, uh, I would put it as a six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, six. <laughs> um again not a bad album not a bad album but definitely not can't fight with the midnight <laughs> not yeah definitely not it w- it was an album that it, it took it took some time for me to get to a point where i'm like okay this is all right but i mean i didn't think it was bad when it came out i just it, it just didn't it was it just wasn't as strong it's okay yeah. you can say it. <laughs> it yeah it's you know I mean, I, I haven't heard that album in a while. Midnight, I heard what a couple months ago. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. When 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 I hear something frequent or recently, I just know. I just know. Right. I mean, there are some exceptions. Certain albums that I haven't heard in years that I know are great, but certain things I just have to keep revisiting. Yeah. And uh, I haven't beats rhymes. I haven't heard. heard I think more. I actually played it a lot when it came out, but that's because I didn't have a whole. I didn't have a ton of albums at that time, so. <laughs> so, that's I, changed you know yeah so well i mean i did but i didn't like like you know i i uh 
like I, I think I, I played it. You know, I, I, I like dubbed the CD and like played it in the car or whatever. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so I, I listen to it a lot. But yeah, I, I used to skip around. That's the thing. Like I never skipped around with the Tribe album. This was this was an album that I skipped tracks on when I when I yeah, listened to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, going back to the fluidity. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't there. Yeah. So what about Hell on Earth? Hell on Earth. Um, this was November of '96. Uh, Mob Deep. So this was their third album, uh, following uh, the infamous, the classic infamous. This is a good album too. The difference between it and infamous is that the infamous just has a lot more variety on it. Um, Hell on Earth is a very, very it like there's a thin line between cohesion and monotony. And depending on what day, I might say this album is monotonous, or I might say it's just really cohesive. Because um, it definitely, uh, Havoc, well, this is this is an all-Havoc album, whereas the Infamous had Havoc, but it also had a lot of input from Q-Tip, and which kind of shows on the record. It does. Um, whereas Hell on Earth is all Havoc, so it's all dark, they're all very dark, all, there's a lot of, you know, piano loops, a lot of, like, um, um, echoey drums. And yeah, but no, the, like it, it's a good album. But I definitely wanted it to be more like the Infamous. I wanted it to, I wanted it to have more variety on it and more maybe just some different, like a different sort of bounce to some of the songs. But it's I, all very, very, very similar. I did too. And full disclosure, um, I couldn't get past the singles. I still have never heard this album before. Mm. Prodigy to me, he's always been gifted. He's always been a great rhymer. You know, his flow has changed. Yeah. When I was listening to the first two songs versus what I um, was hearing with Godfather Part 3 and Hell on Earth, I mean, I was just like, oh, okay, well, you know, whatever. Uh, and then I was never excited uh, for listening to the actual album. Mm. I think, and, and I don't even know if it was that the songs didn't get to me or um, I just felt that 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 moment had passed but yeah i don't know i mean i couldn't i couldn't um get excited about it and you know i mean they did fine and i'm sure their lives have moved on from my opinion yeah yeah i just i just couldn't couldn't bring myself to it yeah god part god part three was a was a was a dope song that was a single um he was you know the infamous the infamous drum break from being an apple bomb and and uh, killing me softly and all that. Yeah.
Um, they had the dope piano loop on uh, Get Dealt With. That was one of them always, always a standout for me. We hold big shit like a bitch on one and the other. The ain't drama, money or bump, broke bitches, simple-minded niggas. Alpha, havoc position, that's opposition. Wet in me, competition suddenly and out of the blue. And now I see by myself, by myself and rolling mad trees. Paranoid on point, and now I see who's who. Distinguished fake ones out of the immediate crew. Life, I take one. If you jet with yeah, I, I think the single's probably worth the best songs on the record of course they had they had a uh, drop a gem on them which was the tupac disc yeah even though the album came out like what right after he passed well so the song drop a gem on him came out drop a gem on him came out like a month before tupac uh was killed and then the album came out like a month or two later in the house of horrors it's terror zone when you see my click you need to run behind shit you gotta get you better find it and use that shit think fast and get reminded of robberies in Manhattan you know what happened 60 G's worth of gun clapping who shot her you probably scream louder than an opera New York gotcha now you wanna use my mom as a crutch what you think you can't get bucked again once again back in the house once again live the life that the diamonds and guns and now gems pull gas like a base set balloon stems yeah, and they had uh, Still Shine, which was, I think, released like a year earlier. Patiently watching, waiting for a come up, get the spots up. We brought land like white man. Plans to overthrow your whole shit while shaking your hand. Motherfucker, up the ladder of success with text. We build and destroy. Still shining, still climbing. Up the ladder of success with text. We build and destroy. Still shining, still climbing. Um, yeah, it's a good album. Again, it but it is very, very, very. It's all very dark and it's all very similar. So if 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 you like that, like that sound, then it's all here for you. If you if you if that if you want something a little different, a little varied, then you don't you don't get it with this album. But I, I think it's solid. I mean, if I have to compare it to the Infamous and give it a number, I'd give it like a, I'd give it a seven, maybe. Give it a seven. Um, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, it's it's probably their last like great work before they started to you know a after this you got the song with 112 and all that and hey love i want to hold you and talk to you put my arm around your shoulder and walk with you be that one that has served you my word to you i know that nigga don't be doing what he's supposed to do i got much more to give than homie do and you so fine i just want to roll with you you're a queen bitch need a king close to you need a nigga like peter and, just flow so you. it was kind of down and then you know jay-z dissed prodigy and prodigy kind of I don't know. I don't know what happened to Prodigy, but he he was never the same after that. And so, well, you you, you feel good about his last album. This came out this last. Um. Yeah, but year. it's still it's I I like the album. I, I like I, so I like the album. Well, this we're talking about the the Hegelian dialectic. Yeah. Um. I, I just like saying that title. Um. <laughs> it it's. I like it because of the subject. I like it mainly because of the subject matter. Not so much because of how well he raps on it. Um, the beats, about half of them are really dope and half of them are sound kind of cheap. So I like it for what he tried to do with it, I guess. Okay. But, um, oh, and uh, I, I just wanted to mention real quick, this was this album was, this was back in the day of, of enhanced CDs. So, oh, yeah. yeah. You got extra content? So you got extra content. Extra so, content? So if, if you put it in your computer, there was like a little... 
a little interface where you got to see like I don't know the projects and a little, some some photos. Um, but it, it had a bonus track that was only. Did you get to venture to the the the, the project hallways of Queensbridge? I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's that's I, I, from what I remember. That's about what it was. And but it did have a bonus track that you could only get via uh, the computer. Uh, track called In the Long Run. So yeah, it's hell on earth. Hell on earth. So next, so so um, you have March twenty fifth, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, twenty fifth anniversary just passed. Uh, Life after death. Twenty fifth yeah. anniversary of nineteen ninety seven. Biggie Smalls, notorious B.I.G. What's that? Twenty twentieth. Twentieth. Sorry. <laughs> My math is... You got us in the future? I, I, I was taught math by Foxy Brown. How, how's 2022 doing? <laughs> but yeah, so this was this was obviously his... Uh, uh, Biggie's uh, second album. You know, he, he, passed, he was killed like maybe, what, a week or two before it dropped? Yeah, died on the 9th. It came March out on 9th, the 25th. That's right. yeah. yeah, so a couple weeks. Yeah. Biggie, as talented as he was, as um, much of a lyrical genius as he was, you still, with the double album, just got to carry your way through anywhere between 18 to 25 songs. And yeah. that is really hard to do. And I, don't, I don't believe anybody's been able to do it since. No. So I feel that there was a decent amount of filler here. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time that I heard a stripped down version of the album where um, you know, some of the songs are taken out. Mm-hmm. I said that it was a great album, except for the features. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, there was a lot of features on this album. There are. You know, I, I, I felt that Biggie was just taking his rap into another level, but I don't think that the features were uh, available to go with him, <laughs> you know? And there were some filler things that he did too, Nasty Boy. And player Hater. Player Haters, and, you know, just stuff to just finish off the album. Right. And I don't stop until I squirt, jeans, skirt, butt neck, it all works. You nasty boy, you nasty. 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 Turn your head round, lay on the ground, you've been robbed. And of course, we're comparing this to Ready to Die, which came out in 1994. Yeah, 94. And Ready to Die, you know, in a lot of people's minds was a flawless album. I believe it was a flawless album. Mm. When you take something that's a single album and it's flawless to something that's a double album and you have some filler, it's a little hard to compare. Not that Life After Death wasn't a good album. It's just that that's the point. It was a good album versus a great album. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and I agree. There's definitely there's definitely plenty of filler here. And and, and same with you. The the guest appearances for the most part, ex- with the exception of maybe Bone. On uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Notorious Bone, Thugs, Bone I, did their thing, you yeah. know. Notorious Thugs was or is a track that's been played 
thousands of times across the country, and I always love hearing it. All this dangerous, ain't too many can bang with us. Straight up, we no angel dust. Label us notorious. Fuck ass niggas that love the bus. It's strange to us. Y'all niggas be scrambling, gambling. I'm restaurants with mandolins and violins. We just sitting here trying to win, trying not to sin. High off weed and lots of gin. So much smoke need oxygen. Steadily counting them Benjamins. Nigga, you should too, if you knew what this game would do to you. Been in this shit since 92. Look at all the bullshit I've been through. So-called beef with you know who. Fuck a few female stars or two. Then I'm blue like niggas do like my shit. Not to be fucked with. Motherfucker better duck quick. Cause me and my dogs love the buck shit. Fuck the luck shit, shit the aim. No aspirations to quit the game. Spit your game, talk your shit. Grab your cat, pull your clip. Squeeze your clip, hit the right one. Pass that weed, I got the light one. All them niggas, I got the fight one. All them hoes, I got the light one. Our situation is a tight one. What you wanna do? Yeah, there was definitely a lot of singles off of the album and um, album cuts that got played a lot, like Notorious Thugs, which wasn't officially a single, but it got played thousands of times yeah. um more money more problems of course with the with the infamous shiny suit video yeah <laughs> hypnotize and even with hypnotize comparing that single versus some of the singles on ready to die was kind of like mm, i don't know it, it definitely had more of a of a of a bounce to it than I mean, it wasn't a huge like departure. I mean, if you look at you know Big Papa and yeah, but 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 Big Papa was Big Papa was, was a little different than than the rest of that album to a certain extent. Well, yeah, this is true. But when you leave off with what was the last single off of Ready to Die? One more chance, right? Yeah, the the remix. Yeah, when you leave off with that and you go to Hypnotize, and obviously there was a gap in between, but. When you when you go from that to that is it's a difference. I mean, hypnotized, yeah, he was flowing, but it wasn't top notch biggie flowing. It's better than some other people out there, hmm. but it just no. And, and, and I appreciate the video and them having all the fun that they were mm -hmm. having in it, but still. Biggie actually smiling, all those things. Right. right <laughs> you right, know, right, right. it's great stuff, yeah. but it, it, it wasn't the same thing. I really, I really think that uh, there was some filler and, you know, there were some great tracks still. Kicked in the door, the Nas reference track, you know, yeah. which a lot of people to this day don't know that he was talking about Nas. Right. Ain't no of the kings in this rap thing, they siblings, nothing but my children. One shot, they disappearing. Uh. It's ill when MCs used to be on party shit, took home, ready to die, listen, study shit. Now they on some money shit, successful out the blue. They lightweight, fragile, my nine milli make the white shake. That's why my money never funny, and you still recouping. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Was awesome track, uh, and then there was a lot of lot of other tracks that were just awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, you got you, like uh, somebody's got to die, which was like the the you know the the first like song after the intro. Somebody got to die. If I go, you got to go. Somebody got to die. Let the gunshots blow. Somebody got to die. Nobody got to know that I killed your ass in the mix. Somebody got to die. Ten Crack Commandments. Um, Ten Crack Commandments. Uh, also, you know, premiere. I've been in this game for years. Uh, it made me an animal. It's rules to the shit. Uh -huh. I wrote me a manual, a step by step booklet for you to get your game on track, not your wig pushed back. Along with kicking the door. What's beef? I thought was pretty dope. Yeah. Um, What's beef? Beef is when you make your enemies start your jeep. Beef is when you roll no less than 30 deep. Beef is when I see you. Guaranteed to be your I see you. Story to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, which just started one. this trend oh, yeah. of, of hood stories just uh, suddenly showing up instead of all of the I'm better than you rap and everybody mm. wanted to tell a story and be like, I'm the best storyteller. I thought it was I thought, I thought it was funny that people for years to this day are still trying to guess who the who 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 the Knicks player was he was talking about. Oh and uh, I was just like, Well maybe he just wrote a story. Well, supposedly it was Anthony Mason, R.I.P., but, yeah. you know, we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, then we all get laced, televisions, Versace heaven, when I'm up in them, the shit she kick, all the shit's legit, she get dick from a player off the New York Knicks, nigga trick with dick, get lust, the shit was plush, she stressed for me to fuck, like she was in the rush, we fucked in his bed, quite dangerous, I'm in his ass while he play against the Utah Jazz, my 112 CD blast, I was passed. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was definitely some some great records on there, but it was just too long. If he took all of those tracks that were getting a lot of airplay and put it on one album, it probably would have been better than Ready to Die. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, oh really? I don't I know if I was. So. I don't know if I was. If that. they took, if hear me out. If they took, well, I say forget Hypnotize. Hypnotize was fun, but you know, it just wasn't up there. They took Ten Crack Commandments, uh, Kicked in the Door, What's Beef, uh, Sky's the Limit, Got a Story to Tell, Notorious Thugs, maybe uh, put I Love the Dough, which wasn't one of my mm, favorite tracks, I, but yeah. put that on there. And, and, and just take a couple more of the other tracks and make it a nice, clean 10-track album. I think it would have been a great album and possibly would have been better than Radio Only 10? Well, out of... Ten out of the twenty-four. <laughs> yes, a lot. I would, I would give him at least thirteen. Man. Well, but, still, but yeah, the, the, this album definitely was. It was a skip fest for me. I will say when it yeah. came out, I, I definitely pick and chose what I listened to and what I just ignored. And it's interesting that the like the second disc kind of ends on a like it ends with like three like dark tracks with the my downfall. That's not all. Uh, long kiss good night and you know you nobody till somebody kills you yeah um, but I mean I liked all those songs Really, the last like five joints on the on disc two, I I fucked with pretty heavily. Sky's the limit. Well, I thought it was a really well done R and B joint, and I don't normally like R and B joints. Or at least I didn't back then for sure. But 
I like that song. A nigga never been as broke as me. I like that. When I was young, I had two pair leads. Besides that, the pinstripes and the gray. Uh-huh. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh-huh. While niggas flirt, I'm sewing tigers on my shirt. And alligators. Uh-huh. You want to see the inside? Huh. i see you later. Here come the drama. Oh, that's that nigga with the fake. Uh-huh. Wow. Why you punch me in my face? Stay in your place. Uh, the world is filled with two shorts. I actually like that record. The world is filled with pinstripes and hoes. And then, again, the, you know... My, my downfall, long kiss, good night, and you you nobody till somebody kills you. Like those records, that was a nice five song stretch. Whereas every everywhere else, was oh, like and of course, uh, fucking you tonight. <laughs> Are you saying you like that one? Yeah, I, I was. I can't I'm, stand R. Kelly, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good track. I I, I could have left that one. I, I wasn't a fan of that, but I I disagree that if you took the. 10 or 13 strongest tracks, it would be better than Ready to Die. I don't think so. But <laughs> but but it, it, it would have been a worthy follow-up. I'll say that. Okay. And it definitely could have easily not been a skip fest that it that, that it that it became. And the funny thing is Ready to Die, I didn't I wasn't I didn't love it when it came out. It it took me a while to appreciate it. Um yeah. But there was a lot of there's so many great albums that came out in ninety four that it I think I just it was just overshadowed for me. Like I, I I bought it when it came out and I was like this is cool but I wasn't like in love with it like everyone else was. Actually, same thing for me. I mean, I bought it when it first came out and I was like cool, 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 cool. But then just really understanding the fact that you know you weren't really skipping over things and then you appreciate it more because he was releasing so much in between and some mm-hmm. things, some of his features I didn't care for because of the topics, but still some of the other things like who shot you and um, you mm-hmm. know. I love I love who shot you. Yeah, <laughs> that is still one of the dirtiest tracks ever. Yeah, who shot you? Separate the weak from the ops. Leap hard to creep them Brooklyn streets. It's on, nigga. Fuck all that bickering beef. I can hear sweat trickling down your cheek. Your heartbeat sound like Sasquatch feet. Thundering, shaking the concrete. Then the shit stopped when I fall the plot. Neighbors call the cops, said they heard mad shots. Saw me in the drop, three and a quarter. Slaughter, electrical tape around the daughter. Old school, new school, need to learn though. I burn, baby, burn like disco inferno. Burn slow like blunts with yayo. Feel more skins than Idaho potato. Niggas know the miracle molesting is taking place. Fucking with B.I.G. it ain't safe. Uh, I make your skin chase. Rashes on the masses. Bumps and bruises. Blunts and land cruisers. Big Papa smash fools. Bad fools. Niggas mad because I know the cash rules. Everything around me. Two Glock nines. Any motherfucker whispering about mine. And I'm Brooklyn's finest. You rewind this. Bad boys behind me. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to, at the end of the day, when it comes to uh, assessing life after death versus ready to die, um, I'd give it a seven uh, versus that. Okay, I'd give it a six. Okay. And I thought it was, I was I was actually just briefly looking at the uh, the issue of The Source where they covered his his, his death and uh, they gave that album five mics. Yeah, which, I, if, if, he, I if he was still alive, I know they wouldn't have given him that five mics. They months, would but, not. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> his death influenced that of yeah, course yeah so moving on uh later on in that year 1997 you have um an artist who was definitely affected by biggie you had jay-z with um in my lifetime volume one an album title that's always confused me because <laughs> number one it's his second album so why is it volume one and then in my lifetime was uh, a record he dropped before reasonable doubt in my lifetime, I need- 
need to see a whole lot of dough. I need a whole lot of dough. In my lifetime, I need to see a whole lot of stash. I need a whole lot of cash. It was a single that he dropped before Reasonable Doubt. So I was always confused by that. I, I was confused too. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't alone. Okay. <laughs> Good to know I'm not alone. Um, so yeah, this this is an album, again, much like... Again, I think there's a trend with, at least with this album, with Life After Death, and with It Was Written, where you have these, these rappers who came out with these harder-edged, rougher albums, and then their follow-up a couple years later was definitely more of a of a more radio friendly sound. And I think this is I think that's just where hip hop was going. It was yeah. just going towards, you know, you still had hardcore raps, but but uh the production was lighter and and you know the drums were 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 thinner and you know had maybe a little more instrumentation. Um yeah, so so you get that with this album. Jay-Z was definitely, you know, I I think in my opinion trying to kind of follow in Biggie's footsteps, um trying to kind of take his like Biggie was the master of making commercial records but maintaining his his credibility he could make a he could make at least with, with ready to die now with life after death i think he kind of crossed the threshold but with ready to die he was able to make commercial records that 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 anyone would love like no matter how hard, hardcore you were you could still appreciate his 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 radio songs whereas right um here you know jay-z definitely you know jay-z first of all um you know he has the hitmen are all over this album the the you know puffy's production team they're all over this record and you you definitely get more of a of a radio friendly sound more of it's it's less of i guess the subject matter is very similar but it's just it the the beats have a different texture on it they do they do you 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 definitely feel that especially given i guess it was always be my sunshine was the first single the first single was uh, uh it was who you would actually well which me, was off of sprung, sprung soundtrack, soundtrack yeah um but it doubled as his first single Can't scheme on them. Rockefeller got a team on them. Chick stream on them. Trick cream on them. Loser when dudes think it's just music. Lean on them. Flash green on them. And so then, I guess, as a track that was only on, um, whatchamacallit, on this album, Always Be My Sunshine would be the first. And that is probably. Well, which came out first? That or The City Is Mine? The City Is Mine came out February 3rd, 98. Always okay. Be My Sunshine, October 14th, 97. Okay. Who You Wit came out in May of 97, so 20 years ago. Okay. What I was about to say was that Always Be My Sunshine is probably when you go to a party or listen on the radio to any of his uh, flashbacks to old school, Always Be My Sunshine is probably one of his least uh, uh, played tracks. Yeah, yeah. And when he goes on tour, I'm he pretty sure he never does it. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's it's more i mean yeah i didn't i didn't i wasn't a fan of that song but it's more so the video i think that really like made that song sort of one of his least you know one of his least well, favorite moments yeah i mean it was uh i think it was dame's words not mine that was an embarrassing video mm. um for them to be showing up in the shiny suits and all of that mag a lot of colors 
big close up of Jay Z's face with the fisheye lens. It's yeah, it's that it's the hype Williams era, uh, definitely. But but it just I think that the video with you know the the colorful suits and combined with the song itself just made it sort of people were like oh like okay this is interesting I guess but. And and like I said, you know, the, the city is mine was a single that was more of a of a uh, uh, of a commercial record as well, featuring uh, Chad Chad Hugo on the saxophone, <sighs> Chad Chad of uh, uh, Neptune's. But um, yeah, that was it, it. Definitely was a again a softer sound. The city is the city is mine. Was the uh, the song? Well, the video was the one where he took that usual suspects uh, take. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. I know you're not telling us everything verbal. Well, I told the DA everything. It's, it's in my report. Mm-hmm. I think you're full of shit. Are you trying to get a rise out of me, Agent Rappaport? Agent Rappaport, it's fucking Rappaport. You understand? Now tell me your story. Yeah, yeah. So I always enjoyed watching a video for that, but you know the the, the production on it, it was just a little Teddy uh, Riley. Yeah, I I wasn't really feeling it. Yeah, you know Jay, of course, did his thing. I mean, it it, it was a, it was a shout out to Biggie, and you know that was of course appreciated. But I I, I just really really, you know, it wasn't it wasn't one of my favorites. You know. Um, you did have Where I'm From, which... Yeah, that's probably the best song on the album. Well, well yeah. no, the best song on the album is probably the intro with a Million and One Questions and Rhyme No More produced by Premier. I asked all y'all questions, but then y'all got to go. Now the question I ask you is how bad you want to know. Black. Know my style. Motherfuckers can't rhyme no more About crime no more To I'm no more Cause I'm so raw My flow exposed holes that they find in yours Wasn't for me Niggas still be dying for whores But I hate when a nigga sit back Admiring yours Young blood, you better get that We fry because yeah, That's probably the best But then where I'm from is, is, is definitely way up there um, yeah, it, It's it's one of the few tracks that has like a real like Production wise has a really uh, harder edge to it Yeah Back when he and Nas were friends before they were friends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the best MC, Biggie, Jay Z, and Nas? Right. With the drug saws evolve and thugs are at odds. At each other's throats for the love of foreign cars. Catch, catch cases, hoping to judge R and R's. But most times find themselves locked up behind bars. That all. I'm from where they ball and breed rhyme stars. I'm from Marcy, son. Just thought I'd remind y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely like that track. And I mean, comparing it to Reasonable Doubt, I don't think there's a lot of people who are going to say that this one was better than Reasonable Doubt. No, but it, it sold a lot better. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. this was a different time. As with it was written. Yeah. 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 So, what was your overall thought? Um, this is an album that I didn't get until years later. Um, I didn't... I Reasonable Doubt... So, you were talking about the Mafioso thing earlier. Reasonable Doubt is an album that I wanted... I initially didn't want to get it because I, I like after Daylock came out with uh Stakes is High, I was like, yeah, fuck that mafioso shit. <laughs> <laughs> Italian icy, <laughs> right? See them Cubans don't care what y'all niggas do. 
Colombians ain't never ran with your crew. While you acting all spicy and shiesty, the only Italians you knew was Icy's niggas price me. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. after hearing like about half the album, I was like, okay, well, fuck it. This this is it's good. I I have to buy this. It's 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 a quality album. Period. And but but I was reluctant. Um, so then when he came around with this album and I saw the video for, uh, for, for Sunshine and City is Mine, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to skip this one. I'm going to set this one out. <laughs> um, and I, and I didn't really buy another Jay-Z album until like the blueprint, but, but somebody, I, I knew somebody who worked at, uh, or who, who was interning at Def Jam. So she gave me like a bunch of his albums at one point. Oh, really? Um, so, 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 so that's, that's why I have the album now. I mean, it, listening to it con- kind of confirms what how I, how I would have felt about it when it came out. If I had bought it when it came out, I would have been disappointed by it. Oh boy, I, I would have been like, eh. So so yeah, it's again. I won't say it's a bad album, but it's it's definitely it it was. I guess it was the start of Jay Z the superstar though. It was the start. I mean, he was still a locally famous. You know, he didn't really officially blow up blow up until um, a couple albums later. You know, with the uh, uh, Hard Knock Life. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it was starting to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, so compared to his, uh, so as a follow-up, what do you think? Uh, somewhere between a five and a six. Ooh, boy. I'm going to say a five. You go with a five? Yeah. Right. It just, it... It was kind of blatant, not blatant. I guess it's it's kind of blatant how he was trying to use the Biggie formula, and I thought that was whack, mm. honestly. Right. Yeah. Well, I can't say I heard the two albums enough to really even mm. give a great, so I'll just leave okay. it at that. Okay. But moving on, we've got uh, Ghostface Killer with Bulletproof Wallets, yeah. which came out in two thousand one. Follow up to Supreme Clientele. Supreme Clientele. Yeah. And Iron Man. Uh, and Iron Man, of course. Um, vibe was a little different compared to Supreme Clientele. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I noticed with Wu-Tang when they came out, their first album and then the first round of solo albums, was that the features were usually kept in-house up until Nas ended up on Cuban Links. And then after that, it was like slowly but surely we're going to start working with other people. Uh, Meth working with Mary. Actually, I think Meth's album came first, but... Um, it wasn't a common thing, and um, it was. It seemed like it was only certain people. So when by the time it came around to uh, Ghostface's third album, which what this was, mm-hmm. you had an idea of the type of person that they would be, type of people that they would be working with. So it was a little surprising for Carl Thomas to end up on their first mm-hmm. single for this for yeah. "Never Be the Same Again." Yeah. I never be the same again. Another thing that was a little surprising was the direction of the production, the sound. It was more uh, soulful beats as opposed to uh, something that sounded RZA-esque. Iron Man definitely sounded um, like RZA and some of the the RZA apprentices, like True Master. You definitely felt that. Mm. We eat fish, toss salads, and make red balance. 
and you felt the Wu-Tang group vibe. You felt that uh, same vibe on the second album. And then, of course, with the third album, No Capadonna, there oh, wasn't... Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think there were a whole lot of uh, Wu-Tang member features on there, were there? Well, I mean, I mean, you had, like, Theodore Unit. So you had Raekwon on several tracks. Of course. So um, the album officially was featuring Raekwon. Yeah. Uh, Method Man is on the track Flowers, a.k.a. Flowers. Uh, but then, yeah, you had, like, Superb and Trife. And uh, like like they were on on multiple tracks, and then you had like Killer Sin on the track. Somebody said they won't track and they're clapping round jacket like what a way to play these clowns from Sadie Town. Gorillas trying to lay me down, yo, maybe Brown and set it up. Who give a fuck? We vested up from head to gut. Them niggas won't get the best of us. They talk to me solemnly, they stalk with me, all with it to the scene. My two Nina's beaning, let us out of these jeans. We're leaning, leave them coughing and bleeding, even barfing and wheezing. Son, they call for we at odds and we call me. So, yeah, I mean, it was. In terms of guest appearances, I thought it was pretty typical, uh, aside from the you know the R and B scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess I wouldn't say that it wasn't so much Wu Tang featured. Like I guess it was. It 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 definitely was Ghostface, but it felt slightly different. The with some of the songs, it was a little smoother. I I would guess a little bit more radio friendly, trying to branch out. Like, when you listen to the actual album, you felt like, yes, this is a Wu-Tang album, but at the same token, there's certain features on there that are a little different, like the Rough Ends featured on Love Session. Yeah. Which is hard to listen to. <laughs> the, not not for Ghostface, but... singing? Rough Ends. Oh, oh. Yeah, Rough Ends. Oh. Uh, I don't know what they were doing. I think they were trying to sound like Bobby Womack or something. They were trying uh, to do like this gruff voice. They, and if we're the hot table no, 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 no. <laughs> and if funny hot table turn, chasing all around, change your life, baby. Cause I love you, baby. Rough ends, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know that they're a gifted group, but whatever they were trying they? to do on that... I don't know. <laughs> the, the, only, the only thing I know about rough ends is no more shopping sprees. Yeah, yeah, they could sing on there. Okay. So that's why I say that they're gifted. Okay. But... You know, this was a little different. Now... You know, production goes all over the place. Um, RZA, Ghostface is even credited for producing a skit. Well, basically, he like looped up some some. some yeah, well, uh, he technically know, gets Teddy Pendergrass. Alchemist got a couple tracks on there, three, three tracks. Um, you know, you, you definitely had the buck passed around with this album as opposed to mostly RZA. RZA got four tracks on there, uh, one of them being a skit. With with those two uh, uh, um, R&B group featured, or R&B singing featured tracks, it, it changed the idea behind it. And then... There's three, actually. Well, there's, oh, there's like well, four. So you got... Um, 
The first single, Never Be the Same Again, with oh, Carl yeah, Thomas. You got you got uh, Ghost Showers, which was oh. basically them trying to recreate the success of Cherche Le Ghost. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I the, remember uh, reading it. Example. I remember reading in an interview that he said he wanted to get Jennifer Lopez on there. I remember that. There. Yeah, <laughs> yep, I remember hearing that. Y'all niggas never really wrote rhymes like this. Come on, stop fronting at a time like this. Pretty tone in the house. You better hide your bitch. This 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 was definitely the branch out album. <laughs> yeah, and then you got uh, you know like like you said, "Walking Through the Darkness" with Takita, which was basically his version of the track from uh, the the Ghost Dog soundtrack. Yeah, that RZA did. Oh shit! Now fly coffee tables, haircuts, dust, money this long, we shoot Corobus, super soakers, your bitch shows us. Be sure to stay away from friends you can't trust. And then you got uh, Love Session with Rough Ends. So yeah. um, it, it definitely was more of a him trying to open up a bit, I guess. Trying to do more, I guess, more, more commercially accessible records than, than with Supreme Clientele. But I think part of that was due to the success of Cherche Le Ghost. I think yeah. the success of that song, he's like, oh, because well, I, I, that was a huge hit for him yeah. on, on an album that was extremely like just frantic and frenetic and hardcore and... Supreme Clientele is not the most accessible album. In no, the world. no. And I mean that in the best way possible. So he cl- clearly was trying to open up here. With Ghostface, the thing with is though, like he it at least to me, his his albums always had more of a soulful edge to them. Even if it was like like Wu Tang or even it was produced by RZA, like RZA would, would slide ghosts like more soulful samples than he he did other Wu Tang artists. Yeah. So when he would do R and B records, like I was not super mad at never be the same again. I felt like, as, even though it was clearly like an R and B track, it I wasn't, wasn't mad at it either. Yeah. It just so I wasn't mad at any of the the smoother tracks. I don't really like Ghost Showers just because it, it just feels like rehash. Uh, yeah, it just feels like it's trying too hard to do the same thing. You know the 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 whole idea with the album that I missed was the fact that the first two albums had a theme, a story to it. And this album didn't feel like that. And then... Um, what was the theme of Supreme Clientele? Supreme Clientele? Um, Tony Stark's. You know? <laughs> Just the, 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 the Iron Man's... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, felt, you felt like he, he, he was actually going through an adventure. Mm. It, it, it was less theme-focused and also a little smoother. I didn't have a problem with the tracks. Yeah. Um, as far as him um, going with the, the R&B uh, features and all of that, or having that influence, it just, I don't know. Uh, it, it was different from uh, Supreme Clients. Yeah, it was different. Um, I liked the album when it came out, and I, I still like it now, but... I think I probably liked it more then than I do now. I think listening to it now, it definitely is a bit, it's a little spotty. One, but one thing, one of the reasons why is though is because Bulletproof Wallets was a, a victim of sample clearance issues. Um, I think, I think had the album come out as it, it was originally intended, it would have been a, a much stronger album. 
Um, so like the, the, the aforementioned track, uh, Flowers, um, had, had a, you know, a Bob James, uh, sample. Uh, they had, they had to like replay the sample for the album version. The album version of, of Flowers, the beat is, is, it, it loses like all the soul from the, the original sample. It, it sounds, it sounds, it actually sounds like a New York, like a early 2000s New York club record. Like it just... The beat, the, the the drums were weakened. The bass is not there. It just it just sounds really uh, hollow compared to the original the original uh, sample. Um, and then there was the track "The Sun" with with uh, Slick Rick and Raekwon. I don't know. Have you ever heard that? No. Okay. You okay? Well, we'll we we'll, you need to listen to that immediately. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. That was originally going to be the first song on the album, and, and it's actually listed. I think it's listed on the the front sticker, but it's not on the album. And uh, but that that's a really dope track. It's it's a like a real basic loop, but it's 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 literally Raekwon, uh, Ghostface. Slick Rick and RZA rapping about the sun. Okay. Dope record. Look at the sun, so pretty today. It's so bright, it's so smashing. Lasting helps out the grass and smile when it's morning time. Last night I wrote three rhymes. I woke up to see the sun shining. God is my witness in scriptures and pictures. The sun kiss scrumptious, sun is nutritious. It makes me want to climb. Take a bite out of shine. This little light. And then um, he had to try Good Times, which of course sampled the Good Times theme song. I beat Vegas. Stakers, I can just shop for saying this. West now shit caused me to spray this. Staten Island, Gandhi, Ghost, the rap, Rhino. These Avengers words, I make a child's mind glow. Harmony Ricks, welfare cheese, roast cribs. Wick, check day the first and the fifth. What goes? Fuck y'all niggas in. Fuck y'all bitches in. Fuck the pictures y'all taking. Fuck the whip you in. Starsky, bring home the dough. Now the show is over. It's over? So, like, all those tracks were either changed or removed for the final album, and I think that have definitely affected the overall feel of it. I used to, I actually used to sell like a, a director's cut of this album. That really? I, this was back when you could sell CDRs to people because, <laughs> you know, because the, the, you know uh, you didn't have like Napster or well, actually no, this is after Napster, but you didn't. 
the, the, the internet isn't what it was then. You see, people were still on dial-up. So right. Anyway, but yeah, like so that's the version I'm familiar with, the one that I made. So <laughs> so listening to that, like the retail copy of the album, it's uh, a little different. It's a little different. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I I totally get that then. I mean, as far as my overall assessment of it compared to uh, Supreme Clientele, uh, I would say it was about a, about six. I'll say seven. Okay. But yeah, definitely, if you've never heard uh, The Sun or the original version of Flowers, go look for those. They're they're really dope. Okay. So I think we're up to our last one. Yeah. All right. We are going to talk some Kendrick Lamar, as we mentioned at the beginning of the uh, this episode. Yeah. So, damn, came out 2017. What was it? April 14th uh, versus... Good Friday. Yeah. Versus uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, which came out on 315-2015. Of course, To Pimp a Butterfly, the album that stopped the world. (laughs) (laughs) That stopped the world and just like, I don't know. (laughs) It was, as we had said, probably the best hip-hop album of the last five, maybe even ten years. I would say ten. It's yeah. it's way it's way up there. Which, it's up there. And and again, I'm not I'm not someone who's prone to hyperbole. I don't I don't normally get like gassed off of something like oh this is the best shit ever. But no, that's like the best shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not not ever. But I'm just saying like I would I would I would it would it's it's rare that an album that recent could possibly get a spot on my top five or top ten albums of all time. But it's way up there. It is up there um, for me too. But yeah, so this is an album again. Like we were talking about, like beats, rhymes, and life, or or uh, it was written. This is an album that I think no matter what, it was almost impossible for him to make something that would be considered as good as his previous album, which yeah. I think is okay. Like I, I did not expect it. I did not expect it to like like it as much. But when you, when you make an album that great, it's like you can't like if he had made an album that was similar to to. Uh, Pimp a Butterfly, it people would have said, "Oh, is she trying to? He's trying to retread. He's trying to do the same exactly. thing." Exactly, and, and it would have been seen as it would have been seen as an inferior follow up. I I really think that with Dan, and hopefully you've heard it. I mean, it got really really favorable reviews, mm-hmm. as you probably have known by now. But I think a lot of people who were turned off from it, I think, were actually expecting an extension of To Pimp a Butterfly. Right. I feel that, of course. It was a different production. Yeah. The vibe of the album was totally different. Yeah. Of course, um, just like Kendrick has done with um, all of his uh, major uh, releases, there is a theme to it. Now, with To Pimp a Butterfly, you do have a theme that was really touching into black existence, what was going on at that time, and just really digging into uh, identity. With this, of course... There were some extensions of that, but for the most part, it was his relationship with God. All of the one uh, word titles really referenced that. And he even said it several months prior that it was going to be an album that sounds like God. Hmm. And as you probably already know, uh, he had released the surprise part four track which was referencing the release of the album yeah, on the, the 7th and yeah. 
it ended up coming out uh, a, a week later. My spot is solidified if you ask me. My name is identified as that king. I let y'all worry about the list. I'm on some other shit. A difference between accomplishments and astonishments. You know what time it is. Any up, this is him forever. Y'all got to late with the seven to get your shit and together. And between that release and the actual album release, he came out with Humble, which a lot of people loved, but had listened. Some had listened to it and saw that it was a takeaway from a breakaway from what he had previously done yeah so for some sure. people were kind of like uh, that was me at first <laughs> I, I, I will admit when i first heard uh humble i was like i mean i wasn't like this is bad but i was like this is not what i um it was definitely a departure from uh the, the previous album and i felt like it was just not as i just felt it wasn't up to par now grew on me pretty quickly it, it was just yeah. it was just not what i expected that's yeah, all that, that that is just Good, just yeah, head, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Head nodding music, just yeah, like oh, it it's a dirty beat, man. Yeah. I appreciated it. I like the video too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the video is definitely puts it over the top. The video is very. Uh, well done and, and visually arresting. So then when you go into the album and just follow the trail, you start with, of course, the um, the intro, uh, Blood, and then it goes right into DNA, which... Um, Has a video as well. Exactly. Um, and was just lyrically heavy and has the beat switch in it. This is my heritage, all I'm inheriting, money and power, the mecca, emeritus. Tell me something, you motherfuckers can't tell me nothing. I'd rather die than to listen to you. My DNA not for imitation, your DNA an abomination. This how I this way you win the matrix, that your bullets reaping what you're sowing, stacking up the footage, living on the gold. Yeah, there's, there's several beat switches on this album. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's several beat switches. Like the previous album, each song has its own theme, which um, uh, uh, is easily identified by the title. A lot of people are finding some choruses that they love, Element. If I gotta slap a pussy ass nigga, I'm gonna make it look sexy. Of course, uh, uh, the aforementioned Humble. Surprisingly, we had a Rihanna feature and people are liking Loyalty. And um, She's rapping on there. She's rapping. Yeah. You know, second time for him to be rapping with a female. Or rapping with anybody else for that matter, because right. he hasn't done that a lot of the right. last couple albums. The album definitely follows the theme, and then, of course, finishes off with Duckworth, the track that everybody was talking about the next day after the album. Is, you know, yeah, you got the three beats on there and the Ninth Wonder production. Yeah, I enjoyed. Yeah, and then I mean the it, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a story rap, supposedly a true story about how his father met top dog the the like the owner of, of uh, his his label basically how they met like when when Kendrick was was little his father was working at a KFC and top dog was a customer and uh, his father would like would like w was cool with top dog and would like give him free food and then top dog like robbed the place but he he let his father live like he didn't he didn't uh shoot him or anything and he was saying he basically saying that had 
that gone a different way, his father might have died and he may have never, Kendrick may have just gone to a life of crime and, and gotten killed and he never would have been a rapper. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's yeah. a very vivid, very, you know, you know, in the grand tradition of great uh, story raps, you know, it's really well done and, and it's true. So it just, it, it has extra weight to it. And that production, I, I think you had referenced that felt very 90s. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Ninth Wonder, so it's it's what you would get from a Ninth Wonder song. It's got, you know, the his signature drums, and it's got, you know, soul samples, including uh, Hiatus Coyote, who he sampled on there. Yeah, during, yeah, yeah, during, yeah, yeah. During, yeah. during one of the beats that plays for, for I, I wish it was a little longer, but but it's all good. Crooked cops told Anthony he should kick it. He brushed him off and walked back to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. See, at this chicken spot, there was a light-skinned nigga that talked a lot with a curly top and a gap in his teeth. He worked the window, his name was Ducky. He came from the streets to rob a Taylor home. Southside Project, Shine Rack, the Terra Dome. Drove to California with a woman on him and $500. They had a son hoping that he'd see college. <laughs> but um yeah like he it's just it's a song that it's just i mean in the grand tradition of like great rap songs it's just it has it has everything you would want like it to me it's a perfect song like yeah. it's it's a perfect it's just a perfect hip-hop record and like, one thing that he did on this album that i have appreciated with all of the albums was always a nod to the elders um kid capri know, yeah kid capri on this one snoop on the last one mc8 on the uh first major release of course, Kid Capri is guiding us through uh, the album. I thought the album was flawless. Wow. I thought the album was flawless. Do I think it's better than To Bimp a Butterfly? No, but, but it's not many albums are. near close. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of people, To Pimp a Butterfly is, is their, this generation's uh, 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 thriller. <laughs> you know, everybody's going to own one. Mm. <laughs> And talk about it 20 years from now, yeah. but Damn is just so good. But, no, I, yeah, I like the album a lot. I wouldn't say it's flawless. Um, I don't like Love. I love that track. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like that song. It's, I don't know, it's just a little, it's just not, musically, it's just not what, I, what I'd want to hear from a Kendrick album. It's like the, the singing is a bit overwhelming to me. I don't know. It's just, it's just not. It's just a different vibe than what I what I wanted to hear, especially because you have such hard hitting shit on here. Mm -hmm. A lot of hard hitting shit. I mean, there's different vibes, but yeah, that that one that that's one that I that I I will skip. I admit. But other, than, I like everything else. It definitely feels musically more stripped down. Pimp a Butterfly was, you know, he basically had like a band that he that he that he yeah. created. He had like, you know, it it runs the gamut of black music from. Like jazz, to yeah, funk yeah, to... yeah. It hit everything. Yeah. Um, Whereas this is more, I guess, more focused in a way. But I don't think that hurts it. No, not at all. And and I don't know how he's gonna tour it because I know that a lot of television performances he performed with a band. And right. um, you know, I've only seen the one uh, performance that he had at Coachella the day after it came out, and it was just him on stage. Yeah. 
Um, oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, so who knows if he continues with that, but, I mean, there is some great music on this album as well. So compared to, uh, to Pimper Butterfly, I give it a 9. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, and if he can keep following up with albums like this, man, he's he's going to be uh, carving out a real thick part of the history books. Yeah. Um, you said that you had read something where somebody compared this to The Predator? Um, actually, it was on my Facebook page. They said that um, this was not as abrasive as um, To Pimp a Butterfly or Good Kid, Mad City, and they felt that this was uh, uh, Kendrick's Predator. In in that, you said abrasive, so you mean in terms of like, kind of like what I was saying about The Predator, that it was more... Like he, like he, like he started... I believe that's what this person was getting at. Okay. I think that's what they were getting Interesting. at. Interesting. Um, if, <laughs> if I'm wrong, I, I, I would imagine my Facebook follower is going to tell me. Right. But, um, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed Damn. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe for 2017 it might be the best of the year. But, of course, it's still early. Uh, it's... <laughs> It's not my favorite album of the year, but I like it a lot, and I'm going to listen to it more. And it's an album that I probably will get a lot of mileage out of. I'll say that. I don't think it's an album. I, I think there's a lot to unpack. and I, I still haven't listened to it backwards yet, so I, I, okay. I, I got to do that. Okay, okay. Um, there's some cupcake recipes when you play it backwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my favorite album this year so far is, is uh, uh, Rosebud's Revenge by Rock Marciano. But I know that's not an album for everybody, So, <laughs> okay. but I love okay. that album. No, I like this album a lot, though. It's it's really dope. Comparing it, I would give it maybe an 8. Okay. But my opinion of Pimp a Butterfly is so high that... It's just hard. <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard. It's, it's hard, I, but I, it is a very, very strong follow-up. It's a strong follow-up. And Kendrick shows that he's still uh, an artist. Even when, he makes an, even when he doesn't take as long to make an album and doesn't craft it as perhaps as lovingly as he crafted his last album, he still makes high quality music and still makes out music that's worth like dissecting and really really trying to find the meanings behind things and or just just nodding your head to it. it with this album if nothing else he proves that he's still by far the best of this generation right right i would I, say i agree yeah i agree so with that we've gotten through all of our albums um let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, again, hashtag own no loops on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, and uh, Instagram, wherever. Yeah. You can reach me on Twitter at Old Dirty Plaster, O L D I R T Y P L A S T E R. And you can, that was a weird ending. You can find <laughs> me at on Twitter at Urkel Modi, U R K E L M O E D double E. We, as we mentioned, we were on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Just search for Own No Loops. Right. That that name hasn't been used a lot, so, <laughs> so we're, our, our SEO is pretty good. If yeah. you just do a search for Own No Loops, you'll find us everywhere. We want to make sure that uh, we're as accessible to you as we can possibly be and make sure to rate us um, on iTunes, on Stitcher, or wherever you're downloading your podcast. We're just about everywhere. Um, notes for life as usual. Uh, be kind, but be wise. And also be on time. Also rewind. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time. All right. Peace. Peace.
dog could be serving life while I grow up without a father and die in a gunfight. Looks awesome going to need a stick of butter, along with two ounces of chopped semi-sweet chocolate. And I'm just going to melt this down in the microwave at 30 second intervals until it is nice and smooth like... Oh, we 